Welcome to Conversations in the Word. My name is Nick Funderburg. I'm your host. I'm the discipleship pastor here at First Baptist Church. And today I'm joined with none other than Russell Lee. Welcome, Russell. Thank you. Russell, it's been a delight to get to know you. Uh, it's been a... And you uh, as well. Well, thank you so much. I and your lovely wife. And my lovely wife, Hannah. Um, and our, our kids love you as well. Uh, so, Russell, why don't you tell me a little about about yourself? What do you do here? What do I do at church? What do you do? I mean, I, I teach Sunday school. I drive yeah. the bus. I'm a deacon. I Yeah, yeah okay. You do a lot. There's a, that's that's great. Uh, well, okay. So today, uh, on this episode of Conversations in the Word, I wanted to have a conversation about what it means to serve the church. Okay. And so, uh, Russell, in case you didn't know, as you just said, you are a deacon. Yes. Uh, the chairman of our our deacons. Deacon chairman, and we are truly. I mean, and I mean this sincerely. We are truly blessed. We have um, a great group of deacons that meet on a regular basis, but also we have incredible men of God that surround this church in prayer and lead out in service and are incredible models for um, the men of the church um, here at First Baptist. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, how, so I know you've done study into this recently. Because yes. our, our own deacon body has um, experienced transition yes. over the last few years. So could you, yes. uh, in, in the simplest words possible, <laughs> I told you to do no homework, so yes. uh, don't feel any pressure. Okay. Uh, how would you define a deacon? I think the Act 6 model is what I think of the most. I think of, you know, here you come and you've got a group of pastors essentially, you know, the leaders of the church, and you come across a situation that needs attention. I mean, a tangible situation that needs attention. Mm-hmm. And so they recommend the choice of seven men and, and, and to go out and just and to, to solve this problem, you know, just in a, in a tangible way, in a loving way, go and solve the problem. And then the thing that that really strikes a chord with me is when these men go and they they work to practically and lovingly solve a problem, you know, the word grows and the ministry grows. And so, you know, I kind of see that as our our model here with yeah. with our team of pastors led by our fearless leader, Taylor, but you know, coming alongside our team of pastors and serving in tangible ways, the, 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 the body of the church here at First Baptist. So the deacons really, they see a need and they feel a need so that the gospel ministry can grow and the, the church can flourish. Absolutely. And, you know, and not only that, but, you know, so my heart is for the, the younger guys to, mm. to see the older guys and, and to maybe some of those older guys to grab a younger guy and, and pull them in and say, hey, you know, bring them alongside and, and show them what it's all about. And, you know, and, and so the gospel message is replicated in, in both aspects. But yes, especially mm. pastors free you up to do what God has called you to do by serving your church, our church, and those tangible needs, yes. So regarding uh, younger guys witnessing older guys yes. serving, yes. Uh, 
I know there are guys that you pour into, guys that yes. you have poured into. Tell me about yourself and your own experience when you first started serving or maybe when you first started coming to First Baptist. Did you have that kind of um, experience in your own life? Yes. Um, just in thinking of that question, I think in the first area of service, I th- just honestly, I, th- I think of uh, the youth area here at church, you know, we moved back to Alabama in 72. And so I think I was like 12 years old. (laughs) You smile at how old I am. I see you. Um, But we had a very active youth group and we had, you know, we had multiple opportunities for, to to be involved in service. You know, it's just kind of a, a lot of what Trey has you know, our kids involved in now, there's, there's so many different opportunities. It's been my privilege to see those kids over at the Harbor. And, you know, we didn't quite have the Harbor back then, but we did have multiple opportunities. And so that was just kind of my, you know, it was a natural thing. People need help and I'm, I'm all about it. So I think that there are uh, very tangible, clear ways that anybody can get into serving in the church, not necessarily just by becoming a deacon right or or becoming a uh, youth yes. floor leader uh, yes. what are some ways that you can think of that anybody uh, any member of the church could get plugged in well I mean you know it just like I had a phone call the other day from uh, a friend that is feels like he's ready to get involved you know um, he's I, I know this guy and um, he called and he said, you know, we've been through a really busy season of life and personally, and we just haven't felt the Lord um, has given us the opportunity, but now he has, and we are ready to serve. And I, you know, so the way it worked with us is we just, you know, I connected him with um, Steve Mounts. I connected him with Mounts. Everybody calls Mounts. No, I connected him with Mounts mainly because, you know, Mounts is hooked up to serving, um, you know, the homebound and some other areas of benevolence, but also men's ministry and and security and transportation. And it's just, you know, it's just a matter of asking, really, you know, and but it's two ways, you know, if so, my friend a month or so ago called me, but, you know, I'm always looking and I always encourage our deacons that when you go out to serve, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be just deacons that go and serve, grab a guy. I mean, you know, I'll grab somebody all the time and, and take them with me if, you know, whatever the case may be. So I have a, I have a book here that I want to recommend to our church body to read. It is a, a helpful resource uh, that's just entitled, How Can I Serve My Church? It's a very short resource. We have them. We'll give them away for free if you need one. Just come and ask me. But uh, in this book, the author, Sam Amati, gives four meaningful ways that we can serve our church that maybe get overlooked, right? There's the obvious answers of, hey, do home bell ministry, right. uh, serve in the nursery, yeah. serve on the youth floor. Those are all tangible needs. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you hear nothing else, we need people to serve in those areas. <laughs> so if you want to know where you can serve, come ask. We got a spot for you. But there are four ways that kind of get overlooked that every member can easily um, serve in. I want to I want to kind of get your opinion on these, and maybe uh, we can speak into them a little bit as we go. So for for four areas uh, that he recommends. And first is just gather. The first area that we can serve as a body of believers is just to assemble, 
with other believers. Because as we as we gather as a as a church and we fill in these pews and we gather in the foyer and we communicate with one another, we have the opportunity to speak into one another's lives and to encourage one another and to hear for one another and to pray for one another. Um, can is there is there anything that you would say that uh, any experience that you've had in you know the many many years <laughs> <laughs> that you've been here okay. where where you have felt encouraged by a brother or sister in that in that time absolutely I mean our, when what I would say to you is like especially in our, our community group mm. I mean in our community group uh, every week. We have the opportunity to come alongside each other and to love one another and cry with each other and lift one another up. And I mean, we really do. We have a great group of people in our community group. Michael Ramsey does a great job of teaching, but we, you know, that group loves each other. They're as transparent as I've ever seen them with the things that are going on in their lives. But yeah, definitely in the community group. And then, you know, in it's it would take me too much time to <laughs> detail but god is just pouring out his blessing on our church mm-hmm. and um i think that there is a palpable sense of the holy spirit and when as i th- and as i think of that and i think of our corporate gathering on sunday morning i think the holy spirit draws people together and you you get a sense of the joy of the spirit in in that group and and so as you're as you come in, and it, it is about worship, but it's also about participating in worship with the Holy Spirit and being there together. And it, I think that naturally leads to discussion before and after, and it leads to opportunity to love on people. It leads to opportunity to meet new people. And, you know, the, the great thing about that is, is I've seen a lot of new faces, and I've seen so many of our, you know, the family here grab those new faces and they have a heart and a desire to introduce people to you and, and to Taylor, the senior pastor, and get them involved. And it's been, it's been great. So, yeah, I think uh, as you know, as a pastor, uh, speaking into that exact same situation, when we have guests that come into the church, and uh, I know many of the people around me know my uh, two. Uh, oldest children sit with Hannah and I during the service, and sometimes they can be a handful. No. Uh, but well, regardless of whether or not they can be, the um, the faithfulness of the members around us to see to it that guests in our area are reached out to and welcomed and shown hospitality, even though we're there. And the easy assumption would be to say, well, Nick's there. He'll make sure that that person is welcomed. Yeah. That's that's not how it goes. Right. And most of the time, honestly, I'm just so zoned in on making sure that that James isn't jumping over pews that I don't have time to, to notice, like, well, there's a guest two, pew, two pews back. But I know that person is being reached out to. And if they need to speak to a pastor or if somebody wants to recommend them, then we have members who patiently and lovingly wait with them to introduce them to me whenever possible. And so absolutely. I think it's a wonderful blessing for a church. Me too. Don't you think it's kind of a, in those people that you're talking about and I know where you sit because I watch you from behind to make sure <laughs> that, you know, everything is good. But don't you think that that's just kind of an overflow of Christ in your life? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just, I, I love uh, Taylor did a, a, um, uh, a funeral, um, 
and and he just talked about the overflow of that river of life and i just help will never forget it but i just see that so often on sundays in those believers that i know that are around you and it's it's great to it's a privilege and i'll tell you this is the the last example i'll give on this one and then we'll move on to the next <laughs> okay uh the the person who actually stands out to me the most is not somebody most people would would consider mm-hmm. because again when you think of serving in a church you're thinking of those people who are you know the go-getters getting in every ministry, got their hands on everything, yeah. doing everything they can. Yeah. And for me personally, in this particular area, the the person that is the most faithful is is Miss Ines Tarrant. Uh, She's one an angel. She is. And let me tell you, there's probably a not, a, not a lot of places where she can physically serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when she sits right next to Hannah and I, and last week, for example, when Hannah was not in the service, service because she was serving in childcare. And I had James and Addie next to me on on both sides. Miss Ines just took Addie in her arms and helped her through the entire service, held her hand, uh, was just a wonderful presence next to my daughter that Addie just looked up to. She is. And, you know, when I think of her, I think of the joy of the Lord. You know, I've talked to her multiple times here recently for different reasons, but she just, she just has a joy about her and a laughter. She's a happy yeah. believer, you know? Yeah. So if you don't think that you have time to serve, let me tell you, if you can be here, you can serve. So the, ne- the next example he gives is hospitality. Hospitality, he says, requires self-giving, which means it requires sacrifice, energy, and loving people more than our possessions. Our church should be characterized by this kind of hospitality. Yes. Relationship, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is um, seeing the needs of people around you and taking the time. <laughs> I see it so much. I mean, I, I, maybe I think more of mercy, but I th- see it so much in our church when, you know, when you have a um, situation going on, maybe there's somebody sick at home. But, but you know, our church goes out of it. The people of our church go out of their way to take the time to love on other people. And, you know, a lot of times I think of hospitality. We've got so many ladies in our church that that brother is their gift. I mean, they, they are going to love you. They are going to spend the time with you. Um, and just epitomize what it, what it means to, um, have that gift, uh, <laughs> which sounds like a repetition of the definition, but it's true. I mean, there, there's just so many examples that, and, and, and in my life, I mean, you know, in, in growing up in the church and I, I think of Charles and Julianne Ward and just mm. all the times that Charles Ward, I mean, has just opened his home to me and Julianne has just poured into me and Pat. Um, yeah. The third example he gives then is evangelism. So sharing the gospel, not just with unbelievers, but we're, we're to make disciples as a church. So this includes helping Christians learn the Bible and what it means to obey, obey Christ, as well as telling the gospel to unbelievers and calling them to repent of their sin and to trust Christ. I think you just have to have a lot, the openness and the willingness to share the gospel. I mean, I, mean, I know that that just sounds simple. But that, that is the, the simple fact of the matter. You know, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you know, participate. 
you're, you're called to share the gospel. Have those. I love, I love having those small conversations about God, mm-hmm. you know, those intimate conversations. It, it might be, you know, during my work week, it might, you know, whatever it might be, but you just get to have, and the thing that I find most recently since the pandemic hit is encourage the people with the gospel. Because people, you know, people are really, I'm not saying anything that you don't know, but people are really stressed out. I mean, I think the pandemic has changed people in a lot of ways. And and I see every week there's there, there are people that are so stressed out and they need to know about Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in Christ. Um, the big key is to step out mm-hmm. and, and when, and you're going to, when you, when I start off in the morning and I'm like, Lord, open that door, who it, whoever it is, the end of the day, I mean, it, you know, he'll bring to mind that one, that one person or that one situation that he could breathe into. So fourth and finally, the example he gives is to make disciples. Yes. So, uh, you know, as you said, this is something I should be able to speak into as the discipleship <laughs> pastor. <laughs> Uh, but the way that he puts it in, in, in this book is, I think it's especially clear. He, he says, I simply mean that discipleship happens when we are willing to give and receive instruction from other believers. So discipleship is not just a formal relationship where you say, brother, I want to meet up with you. We're going to read these books. I'm going to hold you accountable. Discipleship happens in between the pews. It happens in the community groups. It happens as we enter through the the doors of the front of the church um it's it's not necessarily a a, a, pres- a prescribed uh, formal relationship right and i think you know i think maybe you and i have had this discussion before but you know sometimes the word discipleship to people even believers is a big word mm. You know, and, and when you talk about discipleship, they kind of get a deer in the headlights look, you know, and I know that you've experienced that, but so I've, I've kind of rethought that word a little bit and I've, I've, you know, I just think of intentional Christ-centered relationship, mm-hmm. you know, that Jesus is at the core of our relationship with other people around you. And whereas, you know, you may have a formal setup or you may not have a formal setup, I like the way that you put that, that you know, that relationship that you have around you, that give and take relationship is just, I mean, it's just key to the gospel. (laughs) And, you know, Pat and I, it's just, it's kind of, I don't know, as long as we've been married, we've been married a long time, 40 years, and um, all of our married lives, God has put a younger couple or a younger guy, especially in our lives, in a discipleship relationship. Mm-hmm. But I've never, you know, I've never formally thought, well, I'm discipling this guy. You know, we've been in a Christ-centered relationship with this person that we love, that we pour into, and that we also learn from, from them. And, you know, we've got relationships like one of the very first guys that that I can ever remember that I felt like we had that kind of relationship. This guy named Dave McCrary, and he and his wife live in Auburn. And it was, uh, 
before you were born, Nick, that, <laughs> that, but, but Dave and I just, we, we still 50 years later, we just have a connection and I, I, I know what he's doing. I know how his wife is doing. I know how his family is doing, but in turn, what's been great is especially in his life and in, in his wife, Ashley's life, you know, um, it's just been powerful to see how they have discipled so many people and it's it's especially Ashley um and and she's had some health issues but she's used the Lord has used her health issues to spread the gospel and it's just been a you know I guess you know you think way back when and you think you know you you got to see the fruit of their lives does that make sense yeah okay yeah I think that as we consider the whole point of this podcast, even conversations in the word, the goal is to help foster healthy biblical conversations. And really, if we just consider the, the definition of discipleship in its simplest form, by having these conversations, we're effectively discipling one another. Amen. By just saying, brother, this is what the Bible says about this particular situation in your life, or even, brother, this is what I've been experiencing in my life. Will you pray for me? Amen. Um, we're, we're, we're building one another up in the faith. We're encouraging and exhorting and rebuking when necessary one another, and ultimately it is building up the body of Christ. Amen. And it doesn't, I, I mean, as we already said, it doesn't have to be formal. Those relationships are wonderful and fruitful. There are uh, formal relationships that I have with guys right now that I'm discipling. But the grand scope of my, in the grand scope of all of my discipleship, that's a small portion compared to the dozens of relationships that I make Sunday when I come through the doors and when I just greet and conversate with fellow believers in Christ. Amen. But you're intentional. Yes. Yes. It does. I mean, this is what we talked about last week or last month with uh, Taylor. Uh, These conversations don't happen by accident. These, the, the easiest conversation to have is the conversation about the weather or the, the sports or, you know, whatever. Sure. Uh, but by having these intentional conversations, we are, we are building one another up. And, Russell, I want to say uh, in my time knowing you that it has been uh, a blessing to have these conversations with you because you are a person that is intentional about it. So if you want to know how to have these conversations, <laughs> go talk to Russell. He'll have them with you. And if you want to know how to serve, go talk to Russell. He'll tell you how. Um, glad to. But Russell, I'm so glad that I got to have this conversation with you today, you. brother. It's been a blessing. and You're uh, a blessing. Well, thanks so much. Thank you.